So I, I get the opportunity to continue a, a series uh, that has been started uh, last week. Uh, actually, we've been in the, the book of Hebrews for as long as I can remember right now. And it's been an incredible series. We've been really enjoying it. And uh, we got to Hebrews chapter 11 last month. And in Hebrews chapter 11, there's an area that they call the hall of faith. Anybody familiar with the hall of faith? More of you should be familiar with the hall of faith. We're past that. We, we, we just, okay, anyway, take that out of the recording. But all the hands went up, thank you. Um, but the hall of faith is a collection of people in Hebrews chapter 11 that have gone before us and shown us what great faith looks like and shown us what it looks like to live with, with, a, with a radical and you can even say a ridiculous faith, a faith beyond our, our natural ability, a faith in the Lord and, and person after person that we see, male and female, uh, in the hall of faith uh, is such an incredible exa- example to us. And what we've done is in the, the month of October, we're gonna preach through some of the characters that are in the hall of faith. Uh, so, and then we'll pick up uh, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, next month. So we get to really dive into some characters. Last week, uh, if any of you were here, we, there was a message on Elisha. And Elisha was uh, called the man of miracles. And Elisha uh, taught us that not only does God do incredible miracle working power, but that miracle working power is through a God that still uh, does miracles in this world today and is available to us today. And that the best miracle of them all is us just sitting here being able to worship the Lord uh, with our our chains broken, having freedom uh, after the mess that each and every one of us have been born in and lived in. How many many can say it is a miracle that you're serving Jesus today? It's a miracle that you're in here worshiping today. And the rest of you... (laughs) Whatever, but uh, but absolutely, I just believe that uh, we serve a God of miracles, and I love the fact that we get to hear about uh, people that came before us, that led the way uh, in God's miracle working power. So I get to share today on a man by the name of Noah. Most of you know who Noah is. The story Noah's Ark is probably one of the most common uh, children's uh, stories. You can hear about him in, in uh, VBS, Vacation Bible School, or Awana, which is our, our evening uh, children's program. Uh, but one thing that we should know is that there's much more to Noah than just uh, an ark that he built. Now, Pastor, Pastor Ralph, about a month ago, was preaching through Hebrews 11, uh, verse 7, and he uh, beautifully dealt with uh, Noah and Abraham in his message. And I just want to kind of tap on to the, some of the things that he said about Noah and really dissect a little bit of the character of Noah to see if we can just all leave here uh, a little closer to Jesus uh, with a little more faith and a little more uh, belief in what God can do in us and through us. We okay with that? All right. So uh, I'm going to read a passage to get started, and I'm going to actually invite you, if you don't mind, to stand with me, because uh, I believe if, if you don't stand up any anymore for the rest of this message, um, I'm good with it, but I, I do believe we should stand for the Word of God. We stand and honor people. Oftentimes, we stand and honor the flag, which I think is great, but I, I think it's equally as important to stand and honor the Word of God when it's read. We okay with that? All right. Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 1 through 9. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I'm reading from 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 6, and it says this. Then the people began to multiply on the earth, and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the beautiful women and took any they wanted as their wives. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not put up with humans for such a long time, for they are only mortal flesh. In the future, 
their normal lifespan will be no more than 120 years. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth for whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Verse five says this, the Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. But Noah found favor with the Lord. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on earth at the time, and he walked in close fellowship with God. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We ask, God, that you, you speak clearly in this moment. We ask that, uh, that your Holy Spirit washes us clean, reminds us of who you are, reminds us that you are a creator, that you are in control. We ask that you open our ears to hear, our eyes to see what you want us to receive uh, in this talk today, Lord. We thank you that we can come directly to you. We don't have to go through anyone to speak with the creator of the universe, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you haven't noticed, I'm black. And I grew up with two black Pentecostal parents. The ones that are laughing may not be black, but they get what, they get what I'm saying. You see, this, uh, my, my, my father's the lead pastor of this church, but it wasn't started until I was about seven or eight years old. So uh, in my early childhood years, I grew up uh, in, down in, the, in what we call the neighborhood in the Carver Park area, uh, going to a, a small Pentecostal church that my grandpa started, uh, that my dad was just known as Minister Tyrone or whatever they used to call him. And, and, uh, and during that time of my life, uh, there was no issue or no problems when it came to rules and structure in our house. Like I said, I had black Pentecostal parents. They had no problem enforcing rules. Now, hey, there we go. So there was even a season where I would say that, I'm gonna pick up my mom, that she got slightly what they would call legalistic. I don't know how many of you heard the phrase legalistic before, and I don't, I don't know if it's a good or bad term. I don't want anybody to call me that, but, but she got slightly legalistic for a while, and is basically kind of like the, the mom from Waterboy that anything she didn't believe in was the devil, you know? So, so she got in a little bit of that phase just for a little while, including even like Disney movies, you know, that she bought. But all of a sudden, just in that, that phase, like, you know, I'll, I'll give you a few examples, you know, walking in the house and, and, you know, she's glancing at the TV and is that a, a teapot raising a son and talking? Under what authority? Turn it off. You know, like, it's Beauty and the Beast. What? You bought this. Or, or, or you know, God forbid we come home from a church service because when you come home from a church service, you're supposed to be on fire for the Lord. And then she comes in and sees a mermaid talking to a crab and kissing a man on her TV, turn it off. And some things I think she <laughs> kind of dissected a little much. Like, did I just hear that lion talk about the circle of life? 
in this house, we believe in the Lamb's book of life. And I rebuke that monkey. He has no place in this house. And whatever powers he's operating in, turn it off. But that was all I knew. That was the house I grew up in. My cousins, we all went to church together. You know, we all went to the same church. And that, that my house and those rules was what I knew. When, 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 when they said, you know, it, this was good, it was good. When they said it was the devil, it was the devil. And I encourage you, parents, establish who you are as a family when it comes to values, when it comes to your faith, when it comes to even the rules, and when it comes to uh, what boundaries and all those important things. Establish that in your home early and often. Because the cool part, until your kids start to branch out and hang out and visit and all these things, your home and what you establish in your home is all they know. And that's an important thing to gather. Now, of course, you want them to go out and, and, and make friends and meet people, but, but it's important to give those, those roots. We, uh, Karina and I, we have two uh, small, small girls, and we've, we've been taught over and over that the first five years of their life is where the majority of their brain development and things happen. So, so they just watch a lot of Laker games and a lot of Raider games. I'm just kidding. But, but we just make sure that, that we are just building the great foundation, the greatest foundation that we can in Jesus, but also just in things in life for them. So I just want to encourage you in that. But I came to an age where I began to go to other people's houses and I started to understand that not everybody runs their house the way that my parents do. Case in point, I went to a friend's house and we wanted to go to the park together. And his dad told him, he said, you guys can't go to the park until, and his name was Tyler, until Tyler cleans his room. Tyler's room was a disaster absolute disaster. So I was ready to give up. I'm like, nah, dude, we were just not going to go. Just forget it. He looks around. He's like, nah, don't worry about it, man. Grabs his shoes, throws them in a pile in the corner. His trash can was completely full. Bedroom trash can. I don't think people do that anymore, but that was kind of a nineties thing, but bedroom trash can shoves all the trash down, piles more trash on top. And then he just, anybody ever tried this? Push the drawers closed without actually putting the clothes all the way in there to where like, you know, shirts and stuff are sticking out. He just shoved them off. And he calls his dad and he says, dad, I'm done. I explained to you guys the house that I grew up in. I said, no, you are not. Don't call him in here. I'm, I'm trying to like still throw shoes and pick up stuff, guard the trash can. And I'm like, man, no, you're not done. And, he, and his dad comes in and he looks around the room and he says, all right, you guys have a good time. That was one of the first times I had an encounter with the Lord, and I said, Lord, you have cheated me. <laughs> My parents have lied to me about what a clean room is. I've been slaving. But, so I go home, and I, and I think to myself, okay, if that's what a clean room is, apparently I was deceived, along with my parents. So I'm going to adopt that to our house so I can expand my parents' thinking, expand the way that we live, you know. So it's a day I need to clean my room and I do the Tyler version of a cleaning. Mom comes in and she goes, what is, you're calling this a clean room? And I said, well, which is a horrible thing to say. Tyler's dad said this is a clean room. And I said this in the first service and I'm gonna repeat it and, I, and you guys might catch this in your own family, in your own home, but for some reason, when you disrespect your parents, or maybe even your spouse, or when you bring up something that goes on in someone else's house, they begin to think of the things that you have or that they bought you that they maybe didn't really want to. 
because I said, right when I said, Tyler's house, Tyler's dad says it's a clean room, she fired off, well, how about you put that phone down, take off them shoes, get rid of that TV, and go move in with Tyler. I said, whoa. What? Like, and the fact is, like, how was that so fresh on her mind? You know what I mean? But I came to a quick understanding in that moment, and even in that season of my life, that I was starting to learn what the definition of the word right was. And I thought I can find out right and wrong by dipping in many different pots and going to different houses, but I found out that I had to understand that the definition of right, a right cleaned room, a right decision, was based on the authority that I was under and submitted to. I couldn't look to my left and my right and say, right, I'm using so many different rights, please roll with me here. Uh, I couldn't look laterally to say, okay, that's what I'm gonna see as, as okay and what's right, or that's gonna see, because I'm not submitted to the authority, I'm not under, uh, I'm not under uh, in submission, I'm not under the guidance and direction of what's over there, I'm under the guidance and direction of where I'm planted and rooted. And not to get ahead of myself, but the reason that they establish what's right in me is because they have a plan for me and they have goals for me and they know that what they're establishing me in me right then and there is for what they have ahead of me and what they see ahead of me, what they see in me that I don't see in myself. I'm gonna get carried away, but, but you guys understand what I'm saying. And I began to understand that the definition of right, at least when it came to like cleaning, when it came to, to, to being done, when it came to grades, what was okay, I had to understand that that was established by my authority and who I was under. But then I found out as I got older and I started to, to live, uh, live life and have experiences that I brought a little bit of that mentality into what I thought I knew about righteous living. Because you see, it's so easy for me to look to my left and my right and say, you know what? They're living this way, and God still seems to be blessing them. Maybe it's okay for me to do that. They're a great preacher. That's a great worship leader. That church is doing well. That church is growing, and they don't necessarily push what we're pushing. Maybe we can, we can pull off on that. I work harder than everyone else at the business that I work for. Maybe I'm not doing my absolute best, but since I'm doing better than them, what I'm doing is right and what I'm doing is okay. My kids do this and do that, but they're not as bad as those kids, so I must be raising mine right. But what I've come to understand, just like the authority in the home that I lived in, the authority that was established in the home that I was raised in, uh, what is righteous and what is right living is based on the authority above us and who we are submitted to. Righteous living, righteous decision-making, and a righteous walk is not based on comparison to anyone else. It's not based on how someone else is doing. It's not based on what someone else is doing, but who we are submitted to and being in alignment and right-minded and thinking in, in, the, in alignment, I'm sorry, with who we have committed and submitted our lives to, who is in control of our life. And... When it comes to righteous living, we have some great examples in the Bible, and, and one of them that I would love to uh, highlight today is, is, like I said, Noah. Noah was known as a righteous man. They said he was the only blameless person walking the earth in his time. Now, just know this. This is an early time uh, in, in, I guess we can say, human history, 
it was, he was only around 10 generations removed from creation. If you look in Genesis, it walks through the creation starting with Adam and goes to Seth and just goes all the way down to where Noah was about number 10, if I'm, if I'm saying that right. But already we're at a point where God is, is upset. He's upset with what's going on with the world. He's upset with the way people are living. He's upset with the way people are thinking. Now, mind you, we serve a God who's sovereign. We serve a God who's all-knowing. He's everywhere. Nothing is outside of his control and his power. But at the same time, I love the fact that the Bible clearly indicates to us that God still feels. Because it's good for us to know that God feels. Because since we can't capture all of the, the majesty of God and we will never be able to know the whole mind of God and know all of the acts of God because if we did know all those things, that would make us God. It's good that the Bible has put language that we can begin to understand that God feels. It, we love the fact that they say that God calls some things good and calls some things not good and he's, and he's just and sometimes he has wrath. Now, mind you, he created it all. But it's good for us to be able to see in his word that he feels and reacts and he responds. And it says that he's just not happy with what's going on in the world. But I love the verse that says, Noah found favor with God. Found favor. We got to be careful when we say he found favor because we can, we can mistake that and think that he earned favor with God. How many understand that we cannot earn favor just like we cannot earn our salvation? We cannot earn favor. We don't deserve favor. It was only by the grace of God that Noah found favor with him. And it's just like it's by the grace of God that we have salvation. He found favor with God. And it says he was a righteous man. And, and at that point, God was ready to wipe, off, wipe out the entire earth, wipe out and start over. But because he had grace on Noah... Because he wanted to, to use Noah and wanted to actually continue even the legacy that was established through the ancestors of Noah, he, he, he sustained him and he gave him instructions. He told him to build an ark. And I'm not going to get too much into the specifics of the ark because we've heard it. Many of us have heard it so much, but I still, I do want to say, uh, we've we, we got to understand these dimensions and, and, and the, uh, the size of this to know the amount of work that Noah put in. Just know 450 feet long is one and a half football fields. 75 feet wide, about four stories high, meaning that the square footage of Noah's Ark was about 100,000 square feet. I don't know any realtors in the room, but I, I, I mean, I'm sure they oh yeah, where's Connie? I, I, and that's, some, that's, some, that's some pretty good size, and, and that's probably pretty, pretty pricey when, when we think of, of, of the, the size of it. But Noah was up to the task because he heard the word, word of the Lord, and, and it, it, God told him to gather his family which was not large, three sons, three daughter-in-laws and his wife, gather his family and two of each family of animals. Each family of animals, two each, to gather, to put in this ark so that they can be saved as God wipes out the remainder of the, the world. Now, here's the interesting part about that. There had never been rain before, but God said he's gonna flood the earth. 100,000 square feet family of eight still have to live their life, still have to function. The whole rest of the world is rotten. The whole rest of the world is jacked. The whole rest of the world is against God. So imagine their response when you're saying, we're going to build this boat because water is going to come from the sky and it's going to wipe everyone out. So we're going to dedicate our time, our life, and our, our resources to building this. And this is what it says that Noah did in verse 22. 
It says, Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. Everything exactly as God commanded him. And the reason that's so incredible is because to our human minds, what God told him made no sense. To our human minds, what God instructed Noah to do made absolutely no sense considering the history of the world at that point and even uh, what they foresaw to be the capabilities of God at that point. But he did everything exactly how God instructed him to do. I think sometimes we get to a point where God tells us to do something, to take a step of faith, to take a leap of faith, to branch out. And for some of you, coming to church is a huge step of faith for you to begin with. And for others, it's stepping out and serving in ministry. For some of you, it's stepping out and, and, and uh, leading a ministry. For some, it's starting a business. For some, it's, it's moving out of human, moving back to human, all these different things. And the funny part is we need, not only do we need a prayer team to gather around us and give us some confirmation, we need someone to say, hey, I'll be your backup plan if you need it. And we need someone else to say, we're going to partner up and we're going to do this with you. We need so many different elements in place to take a step out of what we call faith you get, you, I hope you're with me on this. We need so much confirmation, man. When, uh, you'll see in February when the prophetic conference goes on here, we're going to be lining up in those chairs. God, what's going to happen? You know, we, we need so much confirmation in our hearts and our minds and our lives to take a step of faith. But Noah only had the word of the Lord, the spoken word of the Lord, not the written word of the Lord that he can go back over and over and over and study and, and, and do commentary on and ask, the, ask his pastor, like, am I reading this right? This was the spoken word of the, word, the Lord. And it made absolutely no sense to our human minds. But he stepped out in faith and he did it. So what I want to, to notate, if you, if you don't mind, if you're taking notes today, one statement that I think is very important for us to recognize is this, and it's going to be on the screen. Noah's obedience was not based on what he was instructed to do, but it was based on who instructed him to do it. Noah wasn't known to be a righteous, righteous man because he built a boat. It really had nothing to do with the boat. It was because he did exactly what God told him to do and walked step for step with, it, with him even when it didn't make sense. His trust wasn't in the what. He didn't build the boat because it made sense. He built the boat because God told him to do it. I believe we also have got to recognize that this boat took around 100 years. 100 years of building. I told the first service, sometimes I come in to our awakening nights. We have once a month, Sunday night awakening prayer where we pray and worship for, for an hour. I come in with a burden on my heart, and if I feel like God doesn't speak to me and give me some answers after that hour, like, God, where are you? What's going on? Why aren't you speaking in this moment? 100 years. Building this ark without a drop of rain. Building this ark without serve teams eventually joining him. Building this ark without someone coming and blessing them with supplies relieving them. Someone building this ark without anyone outside of their family coming and encouraging them. 100 years. How soon and how quick do we give up on a word that's on our heart, on a plan that God has for us? How soon and how quick when we don't see a response, a reaction, or at least some form of favor, how soon do we give up? 100 years of remaining diligent. 
100 years of facing mockers. You got to think, these people don't believe in Noah, let alone believe in God. How did they respond and react when they see this 100,000 square foot boat being built on the edge of town or wherever they were? But he remained faithful. He continued to build. He continued to sow. He continued to, to remind himself what God spoke to him. And one thing that he did, uh, that, that I believe he did, and, and I, we learned this in the Psalms, that, that David did the same thing. I believe that he encouraged himself in the Lord. He reminded himself that God is my. He reminded himself that God has a plan that cannot fail for 100 years. So in the story of Noah, there's 500 years that we don't know much about because he was around 500 when he began to build. And then it says he lived another about 350 years after this story takes hold and after, after this story uh, when, they land back, when, when they're back on dry ground and he makes the sacrifice. So, so the truth is of Noah's actual narrative and of his story, we only have about 100-ish years. The build, the one year they're out on the water, and that's about it. Out of a 900 and something year life, we have the meat of it, which is this story right here. And what I want to do, if you don't mind, is I want to pull four things out of this story. Four things out of this story that I believe uh, that we can learn from this giant in the faith to apply to our life in this season right now. And the first thing is this. During this season of life, Noah built. He built. And we can build. Noah Utilized his abilities to build what God called him to build. The same God has given us the opportunity to be a part of building his church and the body of Christ. You see, Noah built every single day. Noah built and got his hands dirty. Understand that, that sometimes we get a word from God and then we believe that God's going to deliver without us springing into action, which he can, but how many understand that it is an honor, a privilege, and an opportunity to be a part of what God's doing? He doesn't force us to, to help with what he's doing. He allows us to help with what he's doing because how many know that the rocks will cry out and the things are gonna get done whether we step in or not? I believe it really, if, if we don't step in, we're just avoiding blessings, avoiding favor. But how about we look at Noah and see that not only did he have the word, not only did he have people alongside him, not only did he have people that were against him, but he got his hands dirty. How do we get our hands dirty? How do we get our hands dirty when it comes to the opportunity of what we're building? Now, some of you guys, I know you're building business. Some of you guys are building a family. Some of you are, are, are building different things in your world and your life, but I don't know if there's anything more important than building the local church. Right. The Bible says, God says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But he gives us the opportunity to be a part of that process, the opportunity to be a, a, a part of, of what he's doing, when he's doing it, and where he's doing it. And how do we get our hands dirty? We join the serve team. We go through Grow Track. If you don't know what Grow Track is, that is our four-step program. We have it every single week during the 11 o'clock service. You join in, they, you sign in, absolutely free of charge, of course, and they walk you through the history of our church. They walk you through your giftings. They walk you through all the opportunities you have. They walk you through all the, the opportunities you have in our life groups. And then you, by the time you leave there, you are joining a serve team. You're joining community. You're joining other people that love Jesus and have made a decision to get their hands dirty too. Some of you might mean opening up your home to host a life group. 
It might be, I mean, I mean uh, uh, setting up that, that coffee date with a few people that you just want to grow with. That is getting your hands dirty. That's, that's taking the opportunity to be a part of what God is building, to be a part of the kingdom, a part of what, of what he's doing that he's allowing us to be a part of. Some, some people, that means sowing financially. Some people are in position here where, they can, where they, can, they can give in substantial ways to some of the projects that we're doing overseas, to some of the building projects that we're doing here, to some of the, the missions that we're doing, some of the, the ministries that are, that are operating weekly here. And I encourage you to do that. For some of you, that is getting your hands dirty by saying, God, I'm going to trust you with the, with, with the sowing, and I'm believing you're going to utilize uh, this financial gift to do things in your kingdom. But I encourage every single one of us, be a part of building the kingdom of God. Number two is this, to be a witness. Noah was a witness. It says in uh, 2 Peter 2, 5, that, that, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was a preacher of righteousness. So mind you, he's building, being a part of it, doing his part to build while also still going out to reach. We can be a part of building as well as going out to reach. Now our church... You won't, I mean, unless God tells me something different, you're not going to catch me on the corner with a megaphone or anything like that. That's not, that's not what I feel called to do. Not going to stand up on, on, on tables at a park or anything. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that that's uh, the lane that God has called me to, but I, I, I t- I'll tell you what we will do. We'll pass out invite cards and, and, and let people know that they're welcome to come here to the house of God. And we'll, we'll go, into our, go on to our social media and maybe, maybe share clips or, 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 or type to, uh, a post saying uh, what God did uh, for us in a service or what God is doing in our life. Because you know what? The, the most powerful weapon and tool you have to witness is what Jesus has done in your life. The way we witness and reach people is you carry yourself in a way that's a, that truly is a person that's been set free. And you tell people early and often. We can be a witness. I encourage you to be a, a witness to the people that are in your circle. A witness, and, I, and I'll be the first to admit, sometimes the toughest people to witness to are the ones that know us the best. Not because they see something in us, some type of flaw that makes them not love Jesus, but it's because we, we almost become numb to them. Like we talk about sometimes, it's easier to pray for someone else's things than your own, even if you're dealing with the same thing. But I'm telling you right now, I firmly believe that God puts us in our circles. He puts us in our webs of influence. He puts us in the schools that we work at, the businesses that we're in, the families that we're in, and the, in the neighborhoods that we're in, because he can and will use us. Be a witness. Number three, Noah was a leader, and we all can lead. Lead. It says, as Noah took it upon himself to lead his family, in obedience and made them a part of the vision. I want to encourage parents in the room to to lead your children in the vision. Lead your children in the obedience that you have captured. Lead your children in the in the, in the ways of the Lord that you're that you're following and growing in. If it's new to you, I, I highly encourage you, don't wait. Don't wait until you think you have it figured out. Bring your kids along for the ride. Uh, it's interesting because if you think about it, the word of the Lord, uh, the, the, the chapter talks about how Noah heard from God. And Noah heard the word. And Noah got all the instruction, but his family came along. Why? Because he established that honor in his home. 
He established that honor and respect in his house that even if they didn't know what was going on, even if they didn't necessarily trust Noah that much, they trusted in the word of the Lord. And if the word of the Lord told dad to do this, we are all in. Mind you, can you imagine being the only family in the world that was honoring and following God? You can't tell me that, the, that whether they were children or, or, or young adults or, you know, their version of young adults is like 100 or 200 or whatever, you know. But, but, but you can't tell me that they didn't hear the voices. You can't tell me there wasn't influences. And I'm going to tell you right now, yeah, we, we have different things like social media and all these different drugs and all this. But every generation had their thing. There wasn't a time on earth when there wasn't, uh, when there wasn't some form of, of manipulation by the world, where there wasn't some, some form of, of uh, temptation, where there wasn't some form of evil powers trying to pull your children away. This, th- their time had their own version of that, especially when you're the only saved family in the world. But Noah led his family. He didn't, ex- he didn't suggest to his family to join. He didn't hope they joined. He led. And you may not have children in your home, but, but, but if you have, like we talked about, if you have a circle of influence, understand that you can be a leader in the faith to your circle of influence. You can be a leader in the faith to even your adult siblings, to your coworkers, uh, to, the, to the people that you spend time with, even to the social places that you go. You can be a leader in the faith. And I firmly believe that the Holy Spirit will give you that influence. The Holy Spirit will give you the words, will give you the places and spaces to reach out to people that you maybe never thought you would reach. If you make a choice, I'm going to be a leader in this community when it comes to, to my faith and when it comes to growing the kingdom of the Lord. We can all lead. Now, it's important. We have to guard our testimony. It's a lesson that we, I believe it's a journey that we're all continuing to grow and learn. We've got to guard our testimony because understand this, when you are a leader, when you are a leader of people and they are under your lead, they will hear what you say, but they will replicate who you are. They'll hear what you say, but they're going to replicate who you are. Number four is this. Noah had unlimited faith. Noah had unlimited faith. Because the truth is, like we talked about, 100 years, 100 years of building, 100 years of no signs, no, 100 years of, of no more clarity than he had from the beginning that this was actually going to happen. The truth is, God, I don't even know if God made a promise to Noah that, hey, you're, 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 everybody's going to have good, faith, good health through this whole time. All the supplies you need are gonna be right nearby. Gathering these animals is gonna be easy. I didn't read anything about that. What we did read is the instruction that he gave Noah, and it says that Noah did exactly what he was told to do, and that Noah did exactly what God called him to do. Why? Because he had faith in the impossible. It was impossible for rain to fall from the sky. It was impossible for God to wipe out all of the people that he created and raised up, the creation that he created and called good. It's impossible, but God said he'll do it. So I'm gonna stay in line with this plan and I'm gonna walk, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna chase, I'm gonna gather, I'm gonna do whatever he calls me to do in this season because there's nothing greater I can do in this world than what God has called me to do. Faith in the impossible. I I, I believe that, that sometimes we begin to pray, pray about things and, 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 and just as easily, if God doesn't deliver, 
we convince ourselves that it's not the plan of God. We convince ourselves that he said no. We give ourselves a no in the place of God. We begin to change what we pray about. We begin to change what we think about. We begin to change what we, we sow into. All because we start to lose our faith in the impossible because it's not on our timing. But how many understand that God is in the miracle working business and he does the impossible every single day if we just to open our eyes? I believe we got to understand that there's, there's times when, when, you can, when you can take a person, you can take a person who's completely strung out, completely messed up and jacked up on drugs, a person that loses everything, a person that, that anyone in our society looks at and says, they're just a part of the system now. There's no chance of recovery. There's no chance of rebounding. When a person's losing their kids, losing their spouse, and then have an encounter with Jesus, and after that encounter with Jesus, start going on the road to recovery, and little do we know, without even realizing, God takes over and does the impossible, and then we get a person who goes from being strung out on drugs, get their life in a complete mess, to go back two, three years ago, they joined this church, a year later take over a ministry, a year later, now they're on stage, and Miss Jackie is getting ready to have her program. The women's event, our women's ministry has been exploding, because God is in, still in the miracle working business, and somebody praying for her believed in the impossible. Somebody praying for her still believed in the impossible. I mean, if you want to add to it, the facility that she was in had another young lady who did grow up in the church, who did grow up knowing a little bit of truth, but for some reason or another, she still ended up in the ways of the world, strung out, messed up, jacked up on drugs. But somebody praying for her believed in the impossible. So when Marquia came up here and she hosted our service this morning, she's living proof that our God still does the impossible. I wish Jan Matson was here. Jan Matson's on our kids team. But I'm going to tell you this right now. Somebody prayed for Jan Matson one day and they believed in the impossible. Because when you're in a wheelchair paralyzed for 15 years and then you stand up and begin to give glory to God and you stand up and begin to honor Jesus and you begin to worship freely and now you can work in kids' church and you can lead ministries and you can go on missions, somebody praying for her believed in the impossible. And I tell you this morning that all that is fun and good, all that is exciting and it gets me pumped up and I, and I, and I love being able to think about the things that our God can do and, I, and you can leave here today with those four points and excited and you know what? I think we could leave here a little better but I would still be cheating you. I'd be robbing you of the most important truth because what we understand is that in the Old Testament where Noah is, Noah, Noah is an Old Testament character in the front half of the Bible. It is a foreshadow of what's to come in the New Testament. In fact, it's a foreshadow of who is to come in the New Testament because I look at the story of Noah and I see a man who they say lived righteously, a man who walked blamelessly, a man who knew that the world was damned and that the world was gonna come to an end, but he said, my God has sent me to tell you that there's a way to survival, there's a way to make it through. I look at the story of Noah and I see a man who was mocked. I see a man who was rejected. I see a man who still stood his ground when no one else wanted to stand with him. I see a man that stood his ground and fulfilled his promise when everyone else was, was saying that he was wrong. When he was, and he, the ones he protected, the ones he did protect, what did they receive? Life. 
what more matters than when you can when you can receive life when everyone else is getting death and I'm telling you we love blessings and we love favor and we love the good things that God can give us but the most important thing he can give us is life because we were born in a broken world and Romans 6 23 says that the wages of sin is death we were born separated from God we were born destined to death we were born destined to hell but then it says but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord because of him we can still have life because of him we can be saved because of him we don't have the same destiny as other people we know that he can sustain us he can rescue us he can redeem us he is righteousness we don't have to wonder what's right and wrong we can grab onto the one who is righteousness who is the one that can lead us who is the one who has a plan for us because of him we don't have to wonder the what we know the who and it's jesus i invite you this morning this morning, you can, you can stay on your feet. I invite you this morning to, to truly understand that there's not a person in this room who doesn't want to understand what's right. I don't know if there's a person in this room who's saying, I, I just I need a little more time to live wrong. I just, I just want, I, I, I need a little more time to be broken. I need a little more time to be confused. I need a little more time to be anxious. I just wanna hang out with this depression a little bit longer. I wanna, I wanna still feel a little hurt from my past a little longer. I wanna still, I still, I wanna still doubt. I don't think anybody's saying that this morning. But I think there are a lot of, a lot of us in this room that sometimes get a little confused on the path, and we start looking to our left and our right, and we start looking at others, and we start looking at some of the blessings or even some of the downfall of others, and we begin to compare it to our life. We begin to look and apply that to our life and we start trying to do what the, some little Christian calculations. Well, if this happened with them, what's going to happen with me? If they got this, what's going to happen with me? But I'm telling you this morning, we just have to hold on to Jesus. He has a plan for each and every one of us. He already paid the price. It's not that he's going to, he's even going to have to make us righteous. He is righteousness and we've hold on to him. God looks down on us and he sees us as blameless because he is in our life. He sees us as justified. We were the wrong. Jesus was the right. And when God looks down on us, when we accept him to our life, he looks down at us and he sees us blameless. He sees us washed clean. I, I, I see even miracles in here this morning. I, I, I can't explain to you guys what it feels like to know that there are dozens of young people in this room today that live in a group home. Many of them worshiping right up front. And, 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 and would you think when they were pulled from their home, when they were put into foster care, when they were put into the juvenile detention, when they were put in all these different places, do you think the person who removed them said, someday they're going to be in the presence of God? Someday they're going to be hearing the gospel. Someday they're going to be lifting their hands in worship. But I believe that our God has a greater plan and that he knows better than any government, than any evil power. And I'm telling you this morning, you can be a part of the miracle. You can be a part of the story. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. If there's anyone in here this morning that says, you know, I've been taught in my own mind what was right and wrong, but, but not about the one who is righteous and who is right and can never be wrong. And you may have come in here broken. You may have come in here hurt. You may have come in here confused. You may have uh, been brought here by, by someone and didn't even know why, but I'm telling you today, We've got your answer, and his name is Jesus. 
we live in a world that's not gonna get any better when it comes to the battles that we're gonna fight on the outside, when it comes to the battles that we're gonna face, when it comes to the temptations we're gonna face, but we have the victory because of Jesus. And if that's you this morning and you say, I, I need to submit my, my life to Jesus because I wanna be free, I wanna have joy, I wanna, be, I wanna feel loved, I, I invite you this morning to know this, Jesus paid the price for you knowing what you would do. Jesus died on the cross for you knowing how long you would reject him. Jesus died on the cross knowing every mistake you would make, the hurts that you would feel, and he died just for you, with you on his mind. I'm inviting you today, if, the, if, if that's you, if you say, I wanna, I wanna know that I'm going to have a place in eternity. I want to know that I'm going to have a place uh, with my creator in heaven. I'm, I'm going to invite you when I count to three to raise your hand because I, I believe uh, God gives us the opportunity to respond. Yes, a lot, of things, a lot of us have things on our mind and our heart, but I'm giving you the opportunity to respond to say yes to Jesus because he said yes to you. So on the count of three, if that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. One, Jesus loves you. Two, he died for you. Three, three, I invite you to raise your hand. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. There's a party in heaven right now because you made a choice to say yes to Jesus. Your sins have been washed away. And for others, I'm going to actually say a second prayer too. For there, there's others in here that just need more faith. It could be a lot of us that just need more faith. Some of us saying there was some things that I was praying for that I gave up on. There was some people that I was praying for that I gave up on. There's some things that were going in my heart and my mind that I thought God had for me, and then I put no in God's mouth and moved on. I want to pray for you to have a renewed faith. Not a renewed faith in what you're thinking of, but a renewed faith in who you're praying to. A renewed faith in the one whose promises never return void. So if that's you this morning, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're saying, I need a renewed faith in some things. Renewed faith. God bless you. God bless you. Renewed faith in some situations in my life. Renewed faith for some people that are on my heart, for some people that are on my mind, for a business plan that I may have. God bless you. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to pray for that second group first. Lord, I thank you for the boldness. I thank you for their willingness to reach out. I thank you for the fact that they are recognizing that they may have fallen short when it comes to faith. And they've, they've recognized in the fact that, that you, God, are limitless and they've put limits on you. I ask God that you renew their faith. Give them a fresh fervor for you. Give them a fresh fire in their heart to pray for the things that you place on their heart. A fresh fire to pray for the things that you placed on their mind. God, I pray that you surround them with people that are going to encourage them. Surround them with people that they can be open and vulnerable with. Surround them with people that are going to build their faith. I thank you in Jesus' name. And for those who raise their hand for salvation, we're going to pray with you. So church, I invite you to pray with me uh, this morning. Can we all say together, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me on the cross. I am a sinner, but you have washed me clean. I repent and I ask for your forgiveness. Lead me, guide me, direct me. I want to help build your kingdom. We love you, Jesus. We lift you up. You have my life. In Jesus' name, amen.